Once again, Father, we just ask you to anoint the word, keep it sharp. Let us be able to input that which you've given us to do, Lord, that we might be blessed and even changed and receive some peace and understanding in the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. The blast that I sent out, uh, if there is such a thing as titling uh, one of my messages, it's let's get straight. We're not backpedaling. Let's get it straight. That was actually um, motivated by somebody who sent a comment in on that which I released on POTA Shield, and basically their take was that for some reason I was backpedaling. I don't know what that means, um, so, but it, it motivated me because uh, it was done, I think, with love, and uh, it wasn't one of those nasty ones that they're going to come and kill me and curse me and all that stuff, which I get. Um, it was just somebody whose perception, I think, was a bit clouded. Uh, apparently, it's how you interpret what's being said, isn't There's a lot in words. And so I moved on and I said, do you want results or misdirected reactions? What do you want in life? What do you want preached? What do you want to pursue? Do you want to pursue the path to results? Or are we settling and satisfied with misdirected reactions? And so what that does is we strip it down to what is the source? What's the resource? Not only that, but where, where does the fruit lie? How do we receive the fruit? So I asked some questions. I said, we are at a crossroads, which I had put out in a POTA shield, oh my Lord, about what, five weeks ago, six weeks ago maybe, I'm not sure. And we were at that crossroads, and it was written by the prophet. We're at that crossroads, and he said, look to the left and look to the right, and ask for the ancient ways. The ancient ways are really all pointing to one solution, Jesus. The whole Bible even though some are blinded to it, from beginning to end is the testimony of Jesus Christ. And once we get the mystery of all ages, as we're told about in the Pauline epistles, once we receive that that is Jesus Christ and we understand he is the mystery of all ages that's been recorded and pointed to in Scripture. And so at the crossroads and on our way there, I ask the questions, who do we listen to? Is God speaking? You'll notice that what I said last week and put out this week was shut the noise off and rest in the Lord. There's too much noise. Interesting, the noise is still coming. <laughs> I, I feel somewhat saddened for some people who are just really, really grasping every little bit of noise that comes out by people that I don't know where they're fabricating some of this stuff. And it's okay. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to judge them, but I am judging the message and the motivation. And I can tell you that what we're all asking and wanting to do in every aspect of our lives at all times, heightened by recent circumstances, is, you know, what are we to do? What are we to expect? And what should our priorities be? And so, as we rounded into November, I encouraged us, even as I did 
and put myself on a path for at least three to five days was to reset and, and recalibrate to really hear clearly the voice of God and drown out all the other noise. And what I received, it's time to get back to the business of the kingdom of God. And that's a good message, and none of us even realize as we sort of stray away a little bit that somehow maybe that isn't or hasn't been our priority. So I want to deal with that in a gentle path, not a path that's accusatory or critical because the message is for me also. And I don't think anyone's more critical of me than myself. So we get back to the transaction of the cross. What was transacted on the cross? I spoke to it for a moment. And we get back to the ancient ways. But it's okay to have new methods with the ancient ways. But this is the message. This is the clarion call that is coming out today and reverberating from heaven. It's witnessed in the signs of the times, and we're not going to bother to go through all of those. You can read them in the Gospels. You can read them in Timothy. You can read them in Thessalonians. Paul pointed to them. Peter pointed to them. But when you take them and all that they have cumulatively, you would have to be somewhat totally ignorant of Scripture and, and the Spirit of God to say that we're not in those days. Those days, those days of, that are tribulating, those days of testing, those days that Isaiah cried out and he said, Arise and shine. He said the glory of the Lord was upon us, but gross darkness was covering the earth. We understand the prophets told us long time ago that good would be called evil and evil would be called good. And it's, we think it has to be so stark that we can't miss it. But the truth of the matter is, the enemy of our soul and the system of the world, and even the lust of our flesh, grasps on to all kind of things that are masked with the semblance of truth. And they sound good and they are good in some ways. But is it the word of the Lord? Is God speaking? Or is man or some other system talking? We need to filter it. And I believe one of the messages, one of the lessons that God wants the body of Christ to receive right now, wants me to grasp onto and hold onto with all that I have, is not to get caught up in the furor of what a bunch of people say or do. Because that's what leads to flesh being appointed. Israel cried out for a king and God said, you have one, his name is Jesus. And a lot of the body of Christ is crying out for an earthly king right now. And the word of the Lord is the same, you have one, his name is Jesus. And we're trying to desperately influence how a kingdom is established here on earth when the truth of the matter is it's already established. A kingdom needs a king. It's Jesus Christ. The difference is his government is without end. And the difference is that even as we sang, his, his kingdom is of power and of might. And the word of the Lord to us is, beloved, it's not by your power. It's not by your might. It's not even about what you somehow get a little confused about of all of our unity going into the might of flesh. It's not going to prevail against the plans of God. 
but it's by his spirit. Now, that can be challenging, and we might say, oh, my, oh, my, or we might say, that's terrific. Because if I rest in that, I win. I win. But if I contend against it, I struggle, and I'm anxious, and I don't have peace. So that's the message I must preach. A long time ago, (laughs) before I even knew that Jesus Christ was Lord, I had a visitation, and I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was an angel. I don't know if it was Jesus. I, I do know it was of the kingdom of God. He was. And I know that he's arrived twice in my life, both times at monumental moments early on for big transformation, for change. And the message that was planted, it was as if there was a scroll, remember? And the Lord said, eat of this, it's bitter in your mouth. But it was a bitter scroll to me at the time because I didn't understand it, didn't want it, and didn't have an idea of what the kingdom was. But the assignment that came was you, will preach to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway. So that's what I preach. That's what I'm preaching. Beloved, all this noise (laughs) isn't going to change the coming of Jesus Christ. And the absolute solution for what our passions are crying out for, what our hearts have been created to seek and to pursue. What you've been called and predestined and justified and glorified all in the scriptures of Romans is for this hour and this moment to cry out to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. But we first must be prepared. And so God is preparing us. It doesn't mean that God has abandoned the causes that are good. No, God never does that. But it means that God's path may not be the path that we thought we chose. In God's timing, we already know, and sometimes it's a good message that God's timing is not our timing. And sometimes it's a difficult message, especially in this society where we want instant gratification, we want instant communication, we want instant promotion, we want instant satisfaction. Lord says, pause. Do you remember when they were still trying to figure out what the coronavirus was? And it was back in January and early February. There were really only two voices that were crying out. On the Magna side of it, it was myself and Senator Tom Cotton. And a man that's in this church opened my eyes to what had really happened and went on in China. But I saw it on a spiritual side, not just the scientific side. And I said, God's going to put the earth on pause so that he would get our attention. Well, he did. And he got our attention for a little while, almost like 9-11. You know, when 9-11 hit, everybody turned to God for it for a while. But now we've just sort of become familiar. And what they tell us is the new normal, but it's abnormal. 
And so we're just connecting the dots. And we're drinking the Kool-Aid. And it's all good. I'm not going to tell people. I get asked almost every day, what's my opinion about the vaccine? This is my opinion. You pray and do as the Lord leads you. For me, I'm not taking it. Because in my spirit, I don't think it's right for me. But for somebody who has underlying conditions and there's issues, pray about do what you should do. And follow what the Lord tells you. But you can see that we're so inundated with noise. And they brand it scientific. <laughs> they brand it social. They brand it legal. It's branded with all kind of names that we're supposed to accept because it has some kind of legitimacy to it. But the truth of the matter is, is that we are a people, a very, very special people. And I would love to tell you that it's the whole body of Christ, because I'm not going to be so daring to say who belongs and doesn't belong to the body of Christ. You've heard me preach a message that's very inclusive. I believe in the mercy and grace of God. I also believe in the judgment and the punishment of God. Because there's no justice where there's not accountability for it. There's no heaven where there's not a hell. There's no forgiveness where there's not a sin. There's no need for the blood of Jesus if we can do it ourselves. I'm on the other side. I believe in all the goodness, mercy, grace, and need of God. And I know it's truth, and you do too. So as we ponder where we're at, let's just accept some truths today, if it fits. Do we want results or reaction? There's a danger that comes with a mentality, whether it's one that is meant from very good intentions, from very good people, even from people who are Christians, even from people grounded in the Word. There's a danger that comes when what we re re do is reaction, when our action is a reaction. Instead of it being that which is result-oriented. John, as he prepared the way for the coming of the Lord, grasped this revelation. John was of the same family of Jesus Christ. God didn't call a stranger up to prepare the way. He called somebody of the same blood. If we're in Christ, we're one blood with him. If we're in Christ, he's our brother, he's our savior. The Lord is our father. John said that if we believe in Christ, then he has given us the power to become sons. And I say daughters as well, children of God. So we have that anointing, we have that power, we have that legitimacy in the kingdom of God to fulfill the prophetic word of God, even as Elijah cried out, and even as John cried out, Make straight in the desert a highway for our Lord. Well, what does that tell us? It means there's a lot of crooks right now on the highway. It's not straight. 
Who's supposed to make it straight? We are. How can we make it straight if we can't see beyond our hands? How can we even have a message that's truth if we've got so much noise in our head and we're so focused on, on, on what we think needs to happen in our lives and in this nation and in the world that we're obscuring what God is saying he's doing and going to do? And so it's historical. Some accept the change of God and some don't. The hardest thing to change is when we become familiar and comfortable and expect that that's the answer. That's hard. In our faith, if we become familiar with our faith, we begin to just become idle. And then when we're challenged again, we get knocked off our feet. And we're looking for another answer. And the blind begin to lead the blind. A lot of well-intended people are leading people off of cliffs right now. The blind are leading the blind. But God, by his grace, he pulls us back in and he lets us see. And we need to understand that it doesn't mean that words aren't true. It could mean, too, that God's timing is different than our timing. God's ways are different than our ways. And God does things in mysterious ways that astound us. But that's why he's God. That's why he's always moved in ways that are beyond a reaction, that have results. So we have a word, and the word says, and you've heard me preach it many times here, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We don't need to get into the rest of it because it's supply-oriented, and he'll supply all your needs. But seek first. Seek first. What's our priority? Seek first the kingdom of God. And I have to confess something to you, even though that's my mantle, that's my anointing, that's been my message. Sometimes preaching to trees in the forest in the first few years to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. I have to tell you that I let other priorities get in front of my mindset. But God has reeled it back in. And I believe that I don't stand alone. I think there's a whole bunch of people that have, that love the Lord. And the message that needs to come out from us right now is, we all know God's still on the throne. No one's going to knock him off. But we also need to know that our citizenship, primarily, first, priority is in heaven. Not here. Not in the Mahoning County, not in the Shenango County, not in Columbiana County, not in Trumbull County, not wherever you're at. Not in this state, not in the United States, not in another country, wherever you're at. Our citizenship is in heaven. And all of our treasures are to be stored up in heaven and our blessings are to come from heaven. If we don't put the priority of the kingdom first, then the road stays crooked. And we're trying to find our way. One of the most alarming, and I revisited it last night. I purposefully pursued a rerun of the vision. <laughs> the eternal Netflix. I hit the buttons. Lord, let me see that again. Because 
I was asked at one time by a man I respect a lot about 10 years ago. He said, you keep saying to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. But what makes you think that you know how to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord? It was a good question. I said, I'm not sure I do know how, but I'm going to preach that message. I said, but I'm going to keep praying that the Lord shows me more and more. And the Lord gave me a vision in a response to that. And it was one of those twilight states. And it was very vivid and very clear. And I began to walk down off of a hill. And I had the sense that Jerusalem was behind me because I've seen that hill before. And as I was coming down, I could see lush green pastures. And I was alone on this highway, and as I came down over the hill, and I was looking more out to where I thought my destination was, more to what I thought I was walking towards, I all of a sudden stumbled. And I looked down, and it was a naked man. And he was bald. And he was lean. And he was pale. And he was in a fetal position trying to cover his nakedness. He was vulnerable. And his eyes met my eyes. And I could hear his soul crying out to my soul, rescue me, help me. I got left on the way. I was so overwhelmed with that that now it wasn't so much looking to where I was supposed to be headed, but I was seeing him and I kept walking. And all of a sudden I stumbled again. This time it was a woman, bald, naked, fetal position, eyes. I'll never get those eyes out of my face. Desperate, crying out, rescue me. And then as I opened my eyes and looked down, and I could see the bends in the highway, and I could see bodies strewn along the highway. Lost people. Their way is lost. They're trying to go on the way, but no one's taken them on the straight path. Narrow is the way. And so last night, in my own form of another level of repentance, I said, Lord, reignite that passion in me. And I saw those faces, and I even see them now. Beloved, that's the broken body of Christ. That's the church of Laodicea. Christ cried out through John, you're naked. I would rather you be robed with gold and treasures, but you're naked before me. And it's almost as if the Spirit of God is crying out to us now, to the body of Christ. The kingdom, the kingdom all the noise down. Seek first the kingdom. I'll take care of this other stuff. And I might put a little anecdote to it. We haven't done a very good job of taking care of it anyway. We tried. Maybe we got moved into too much of our power. And those that we were investing all of our time and prayers and hopes into became too prideful, too arrogant. Too much lust for power. We expect God to bless 
arrogance and pride and lust for power when we think it's going to benefit us. But God doesn't change. He can't bless that stuff, especially for the people of God, because then what are our laws? What are our expectations? It doesn't mean God can't do a work in us and somebody else. But what we do pray is that he is doing that work. Because God cares more about the heart and the soul than he ever does about the material and the politics. Ever. It's getting our priorities straight in God. And so the Lord's crying out, get your priorities straight. Seek first the kingdom of God and I'm going to move on the rest of that stuff for you. But also with another message to us who are in the body alive today. It's a dark world. Darkness is covering the earth and it's going to keep covering the earth. And no motivational preaching is going to change that. No level of declarations that do not first and foremost submit and surrender to the call of God upon our lives right now to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord is going to alter his plans and purposes. And if you say, well, I don't like that prophecy, well, that's your problem. You can deal with him when you get up there or when you meet him here. But I believe the word of God. And my prayer for myself and you and all of us is that we have the wisdom to have understanding, to rest in God and put our priorities right. And part of that wisdom is from some people in my bloodline, <laughs> the sons of Isaacar, the root name of grandma, my grandma was Isaac. She was an Isaac her. <laughs> her Isaac. And the sons of Isaac were those when there was a change in the kingdom, a transformation, even as there is right now. How many of you understand that there's a major transformation going on with the preparation of the coming of Jesus Christ? This is, this is like a Teutonic shift in the plates of the earth, except it's spiritual. Hell knows it. That Satan with the little S, he knows it. The demons know it. The angels know it. Creation knows it. It's crying out. There's a preparation. And there's a cry coming out from the Spirit of God, even as John and Elijah cried out, make straight in the highway, in the desert a highway for our Lord. That must be our priority if we want to walk in alignment with God now. That must be our major plan and purpose in life. He'll take care of the rest. It doesn't mean we quit working. <laughs> I'm still working. Doesn't mean that we put everything else on the shelf. It means we make him the first priority. Let me just give you a couple stark examples. 
How can you seek the kingdom unless you know what the kingdom is? <laughs> so many people are bound in religion and false expectations that the reality of the kingdom is totally slipped away. The kingdom is all about God and Jesus Christ the King. It's His kingdom coming on earth even as it is in heaven. It's His kingdom in you because He's a spirit. And His kingdom is all that He is, bar nothing else. And anything, anything that we put before His kingdom is a false form of worship. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Now, we know that he was talking about basically mammon, money at that point, but don't lose, don't lose the root of that. It's about what are we worshiping. This principle stands true. And anything that is consuming more of our time, more of our passion, more of our concern than the kingdom of God, we're worshiping that. I have repented. Not because of words, but because of heart. The easiest way to find out what master we are worshiping is to look at our own hearts, how we spend our time. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. <laughs> is the kingdom of God our treasure? Is Jesus our treasure? Wherever you put your time, your effort, your breath, your resources, if it's other than the kingdom and Jesus, then that's getting more of your worship than something else. I was thinking about a few instances in Scripture. Do you remember Elisha and Naaman? Naaman the leper, remember? Out of Kings. And it's in 2 Kings, by the way. Naaman was a captain in the Syrian army and he had great favor with the king of the Syrian army. But he got leprosy. God put in his life somebody whose name we never read in the scripture. A little Israelite girl as his servant. Somebody who had the way to the God of Israel. I think Naaman must have been a, a good person to work for because this little girl and his servants were the ones that convinced him that there was a prophet in Israel that could heal him. So Naaman, being a politician, <laughs> A good captain. He went to the king and he asked the king if he could go to Israel and seek out a healing. 
But he didn't ask if he could go seek out Elijah, the one who was anointed to heal. He asked if he could go to the place. He was looking for a political passage. He got it. The king said, go. He got there, and he found out that the government wasn't going to bail him out. All the wealth and the exchange and whatever happened, one dose, two doses of a vaccine, $600, $2,000, wasn't going to bail him out. He needed the God of Israel. And so Elijah heard about it. And Elisha had this heart. And he cried out to him. And he told him something very strange. He said, go and dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River. How many of you have ever been in the Jordan River? It's dirty. Can't see it. You open your eyes and they get mud and silt and dirt in them. I've been on both ends of the Jordan River. It's dirty. And history tells us it was dirty then too. And so Naaman said, why do I have to go to this place? I mean, if you've got the power to just wave your hand over me and heal me, I prefer to go to some nice clean rivers of Damascus. Abana and Farfar, they call them. And he went away. But Naaman's servants, the Israelites, they convinced him to go back and do what he was told to do. And he was obedient to the word of the man of God. And the God of Israel healed him. The government did do it. Politics didn't do it. The vaccine didn't do it. The clean water didn't do it. The dirty water at Jordan. Beloved, sometimes we got to swim through some dirt for the God of Israel to be glorified. Another interesting one. Peter. <laughs> Oh, we love to talk about Peter because I think a lot of us could relate to him. I know I can. I can almost make out what he looked like, how rough his hands were. That he was uneducated and unschooled. And went to the school of Jesus Christ for a very short while. And then got his master's and doctorate in the Holy Spirit. How many relate? <laughs> Peter, Lord, I'll never forsake you. I'll be right here by your side. So there he is, coming out of the garden. Judas comes up and gives him the Judas kiss. Identifies him. The servant of Herod has a sword. 
you remember his name? Melchizedek. You know what it means? King. Different king. Different message. Some historians have written that Melchizedek's job was to be an ear for Herod. To go out and tell him what was going on and to see it. To mingle. This time he went, Melchizedek, with his sword. Dutifully to arrest Jesus Christ before he could get in Jerusalem and incite a riot. That's why. Sometimes things just really amaze us when we look at them, don't they? So Malchus, sitting there, Peter has a sword. One question many have asked is, why did Peter have a sword? I guess he knew he was going to a fight. Right? You don't go to a sword fight with a pen knife. Peter took out his sword, whacked out the right ear of Melchus. Interesting, not the left ear, the right ear. Name means king, right means authority and government. He cut it off. Jesus, that's not the way we do it. He heals his ear. Now, the ear of Herod has to go back and tell Herod, I got my ear cut off, but this man that you arrested just healed it. Splattered with blood. Blood all over him. Herod, oh, he committed a high crime. But how could we accuse Peter without saying Jesus healed him? Jesus gave Peter a way out just like he gives us when we get a little ahead of ourselves. And we try to do it in our own reaction instead of his way. And his way brings results. Beloved, if my interest was to fill the church with people that want their ears scratched every day, I could do it very well. I know all the tricks, all the games. Unfortunately, I've seen too much. Some of the largest ministries in the world and networks. By the grace of God, I made a choice not to serve the kingdom for money and personal gain but to serve the kingdom such that if I'm the only one preaching to a tree I'm going to try to stay obedient to what God has said it's interesting because if you know the word of God and believe it and you wanted to build a big ministry you wouldn't try to preach to the hot degree in the church of Laodicea because it's the smaller one. The lukewarm one's real big and the cold one's pretty big too. But the hot one, the hot one, the meat eaters, the ones who want to move in the power of God, the ones who are willing to lay it all down, the ones who are willing to grasp the moment that we live in, I hope it grows. It's not very big right now. 
I don't hope it grows for my own affirmation. Because if we're walking in that spirit with God, then we do as John in the spirit of Elijah did. I must decrease so that he increases. Too many people building their own kingdoms on the shoulders of the kingdom of God. Let it not be us. Let us be those who filter the noise. Let us be those that aren't seeking for a reaction to an action. Let us be those who are result-oriented. What's the result? Victory. Victory. Seek first the kingdom of God, and I'm going to supply everything that you need, both here and there. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven where the moth and rust can't destroy them. Interesting anecdote as I'm closing. How many of you saw on the news some, some guy, I think he was from L.A., somewhere on the West Coast. And they had him on the news and he said he received $7,000 in bitcoins about 10 or 11 years ago to pay for something. Somebody paid him in bitcoins. Problem is, he lost the password. And the way the bitcoin thing works, there's no record of it anywhere. It's somewhere in the cloud, and it's all digital and electronic. There's no bank. There's no securities. There's no notes. There's no accounts. You can't go in and search your account and have them find it for you and prove who you are. There's nothing. You get 10 tries on your password. If you hit number 10 and don't get it, guess what happens to bitcoins? They whoop. They evaporate. He's on number eight. It's worth $200 million. So everybody's getting a hold of him. I could crack it. I'll bet you the Chinese got a hold of him. The Russians. Probably some very smart hackers out of Israel. Probably the mob. Who knows? We can crack it for you. Just give me a percentage of it. He said, I only got two left. So there he sits with the potential for massive wealth. And he can't touch it because he forgot the password. Hmm? Here we sit. Un, unchecked abundance of God. But some can't touch it because they forgot the way. And Jesus says, I'd give you gold. I'd adorn you with treasures, but you're naked because you got away from your first love. <laughs> got away from your first love. So, we're in a good place. We're at the crossroads. And the ancient ways still work. New methods. Ancient ways. So, I've got good news for us. The results of seeking the kingdom first are the blessings of God, the provision of God, the safety of God, the security of God, all the promises of God in Jesus Christ from Genesis 1 
to the last book of Revelation. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. All of them. All of them are yours. If you say, I'm going to believe God for the results. And I'm not going to allow anybody to take me to actions as a reaction. Nobody. These are the times, beloved, when we need to discern the truth of God. What's true, what's not true? What's the word of God and what's not the word of God? That's why we have stayed true. That's why on Tuesday night when we teach, that's why in our Bible college, building on the firm foundation of the word of God, that's truth, with fresh revelation, ancient ways, and they can have new methods. Ancient ways, new methods. We must build upon the word of God. And if that word is not entrenched in the word of God, no matter how glamorous it sounds, no matter how many people try to tell us to go this way or go that way, we need to pause and wait for God to show truth. Dangerous times to get ahead of the Lord. I don't know how many more resets I got left in my life. I know this much. I'm at the stage in my life where there's a lot more days behind me than there are in front of me. Some of you aren't there yet. But Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And the gospel's true. Amen. Okay. That being said, um, I want to collect the offering and then I want to pray for you. I could, maybe we should start this. Dr. Bing, if from the farm when you're growing stuff this year, bring a bushel of tomatoes and give it to people so they could throw it if they don't like it. You know, we'll get a reaction action out of people. It would probably go viral if, if I'm not shut off of all those things. I don't know. I mean, anything that goes on my Facebook, I can promise you, I don't put on it. I never go on there. Sometimes people tell me there's some crazy stuff that people write on there. They say, what do we do with it? I said, erase it. It's garbage. Don't even show it to me. Yeah, the threats that come in, I tell them, throw them away. I don't even care. <laughs> YouTube, I know we put stuff on YouTube. I don't. Our social media does. That's fine. If that becomes something that's controversial, so be it. Like I told you, I'll be fine if I'm just preaching to a telephone pole, if that's what I have to do. How about carrier pigeons? We could go back to carrier pigeons. My father-in-law used to raise them. You could put little messages and tell them to go drop them off at places. Those were the ancient way drones, right? Carrier pigeons. Now we got drones. So I guess we use drones. We'll inundate people. If Amazon could do it, why can't we do it? We'll just drop messages right in their yard. Yep. So thank you online for your support. I do appreciate it. We've got a lot of stuff to do. I've been praying about, um, I still can't get to our churches overseas yet until all this stuff settles down. Some of them is shut down again. So I was praying about it early this morning, and I said, Lord, 
if I can't get to them, can I bring them to us? And, of course, right away, dollar signs. Big, 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 big. So I said, Lord, I'm going to seek the kingdom. I'm going to seek the kingdom. Will you help me, Father, to bring them to us so that we can bless them, love them, put them through some training, edify them, equip them, encourage them, and send them back. So pray about that, will you please? We're a little church, but we have a big spread. We've got people out there who are crying out for encouragement, for edification, for training, just to be in a place where they can receive and get some spiritual healing and encouragement. So all of you online, thank you. If you go to the donate button, we appreciate it. Um, if you're writing checks or credit cards, it's just touch heaven. And most of you should have, if you haven't, you either pick them up or you can get them. You pick up your annual accounting for your taxes or just for yourself, whatever you want. The, Patty did a great job, got them done two weeks ago. Quick, quick draw Patty. Pistol packing, quick draw Patty. So, Father, thank you for the offerings. Thank you, Lord, for the tithes. Bless all that gave and those who couldn't give but have a heart to give equally. I ask you, Father, to allow these seeds to grow in their personal lives. And, Father, that which has been committed to you is yours. So let us be good stewards here in this house, Father. Let us multiply that which you've given us with our own wisdom and resources, but mostly with your resources and blessings from heaven above. Make a difference, Father. Let us make a difference. In Jesus' name. Well, I want to just pray. I also want to say this, just so I don't get misunderstood. I am not being critical of my friends, many whom I know, who have led a charge since November 6th, November 8th. I'm not being critical of them. I'm just saying now's the time for the noise to stop. Because we press on. We believe God and we press on, but there comes a time. There comes a time when you stop marching around Jericho. There comes a time when you stop the noise. And there comes a time when we assume the responsibilities we have. I may put a lot of people in POTUS shield in shock when I put out a prayer list for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and their families because we are called to pray for the king. We are called to pray for the, those in leadership and governance. As far as I'm concerned, we don't have a choice. And we're also called to love, to love. So Poda Shield, which the Lord showed as an offense and a defense, well, it can pray both. It can pray both. Part of our prayer for Joe Biden is that when he goes to Mass on Sundays that he has a visitation of God or whatever it is and, and he gets the same zeal and passion for the unborn children that we have. Why can't we pray that way? At least the man goes to a church on Sunday, not to a mosque. 
He's not lighting candles to Buddha. So maybe something will happen. I don't know. The other one, we got to pray real hard for her too. We have to pray. We have to pray for our Supreme Court. God put them in place for us. Now we need to pray that they have the unction and the power to do what God has given them to do. And God knows we need to pray for the Senate. What a mix that is. But you know, all it takes for God to do to, to change the teeter-totters of things is just for a couple people to get saved and on fire for God. There's only 100 of them. Think about it. And in Congress, not too many for a shift. Think about it. Who are we? Do we have power in prayer? And does God love them? Come on, beloved. Does God love them? And of course we're going to pray for Donald Trump and his broken, fractured, mixed up mess that he's in right now. But my first and foremost prayer for him is that God heals him in his heart and takes him to the level that he wants him to go. Deeper, genuine, realizing that God takes the broken and fixes them. And then what God does after that, we'll see. There's a lot of testimonies we could try to write, aren't there? But I know this, Jesus is coming. So Lord, let the passion dwell inside of us. Let us out of these mouths be a blessing and not a curse. Help us, Father. Help me to love with a love that's beyond any love I've been able to garner before. Help us, Father, to filter noise that is a distraction, that is trying to pull us to a reaction instead of, Father, result-oriented on your kingdom. Help us, Lord. Father, out of this little place here and wherever we're at online, let the glory of the Lord go forth. And let not the word come back void. Bring it back with power and resilience and truth. Help us, Lord. Guide us fresh and renewed by your Holy Spirit. Let us not hang our heads down. Let us not be those who, when we look out of our eyes, see dark. But let us be the light of the world both in us and through us and into us. Father, you've put us in a, in a corner. So now we're believing you to do mighty things that are beyond anything we could possibly imagine. And Lord, we still call this one country under God. Help us, Father, in this country. And Lord, I must remind you of your word. Those who bless Israel shall be blessed. Help us to harvest those blessings, Lord, and to continue to be a blessing, O oh Lord. We come to you not demanding. We come to you asking and humble. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you and keep you. Listen, Tuesday night, probably a good thing to come. You want to get your, shorts, your sword sharp? You want to get deep? We got pretty deep Tuesday night. How many of you, I asked this question as we started Tuesday night. How many of you had to sit and really discuss in detail Calvinism? How many of you could? Mm, about the same number that 
didn't raise their hand Tuesday night. We got into it. We, we, we answered the questions. We're doing Arminianism right now, and we're going to do free will. Why? Because it's in Romans 8, and it's, and it's all about predestination. It's not only that, but being called. It gives a lot of answers to a lot of things as we're trying to sort them out. I don't typically go that route, but it's a really good study. So I invite you to it on Tuesday nights. May the Lord keep you and bless you. May his face shine upon you. Be blessed.